Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're blessed by this week's message. Father, as I stand before this sacred desk and before your people, I just commit this time and this moment to you. I pray, Papa, that you would just speak through me and speak to the hearts and the minds of your people right now in Jesus' name, and that those airplanes will be from you. It's not about me, it's about you. And so I submit this message to you, and I just pray, Papa, for open hearts and open minds, that we will receive a download from heaven today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, at this time, I'm going to ask for a volunteer. Hey, Desiree Harris, come on up. Also, Desiree was the only one that raised her hand. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. They're like, I don't know what I'm volunteering for. I have no idea. All right, so I just need you to trust me. Is that okay? 100%. All right, so I need you to face that wall and close your eyes. Are your eyes closed? Oh, yeah. All right. How do you feel? I feel great. Okay. So you have, do you have any idea what you're going to be doing today? What is, what is the feeling? Okay. All right, so what I'm going to, can you hear my voice way over here? All right. So I'm going to ask you to cross your arms across your chest. I'm going to ask you to straighten your body. Straighten, like just stand up straight and like tense your body like you're going to do a trust fall because that's what we're going to do. <laughs> you ready? All right, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to do your fall. One, two, three. <laughs> Thank you, Desiree. Give it up for Desiree. <laughs> now, I figured, I figured that could go either way. But Desiree is a picture of what I'm going to be speaking to us today about. And that is trusting God, even when we don't have the full details. Because in that moment when she said, you sound very far away. <laughs> how many of us can relate to that moment when God tells us to do something? You're like, God, I don't know. I don't know how, about, how this is going to work out. And so today I'm going to be sharing a message about faith um, in God and trusting God and launching out and doing what he says do no matter what. So the last time I spoke, I spoke about assessing how we see. And the reality is, if we want to see like God, we must be willing to partner with him, to see, be willing to see his truth and allow his truth to cleanse our lenses. And we must be willing to avoid getting lost in the details. How many know that God doesn't deal in details? He deals in destinies. Amen. From Genesis to Revelations, we see God looking over some details that we would ordinarily push stop on. God looks over some details because his focus is on the destiny that he's placed in each and every person from Genesis to Revelation. And at the time that I was preparing my, my sermon that I spoke in June, I didn't realize that what God was really doing, and I didn't realize it was almost like a series that he had, and it was really concerning faith. Because how many know that how we see or view a thing affects how or what we believe about a thing? Amen. Take, for instance, this study that I found 
that was conducted in 2013. It was done by Aaliyah Crum and Ellen Langer. And they did a study on hotel attendance. Now, I didn't know this, but now you'll know it because I know it now. <laughs> uh, hotel attendants clean, on average, 15 rooms a day. And each room that they clean takes about 20 to 30 minutes to complete. And what's interesting is that the physical activity involved in doing this job meets the Surgeon General's requirement for at least 30 minutes of physical exercise per day for living a healthy lifestyle. However, most hotel room attendants believe that they do not get regular exercise, and a lot of them believe that they do not get any exercise at all. And so to conduct the study, the runners of the study got this group of hotel attendants together and they divided them in half. And in the treatment group, they told them that, hey, guess what, I have some interesting news for you. The work that you're doing as a hotel room attendant that you've been doing for years actually qualifies and meets the criteria for the Surgeon General's life, uh, healthy lifestyle, how about that? And so they told them the information and they monitored them for four weeks. The control group was not told this information. They also monitored them for four weeks. What do you think happened? Healthier. Hmm? Healthier first. Healthier first group? Anybody else? Just one brave soul today, huh? <laughs> The people that were told did less. So you all, are, you all are spot on. The people in the group that were told that they met the exercise requirement for the Surgeon General lost weight, and the people in the other group did not lose weight. And what's interesting is not only did the folks in the first group lose weight, but they lowered their body fat percentages, they lowered their waist to hip ratios, they had lower systolic blood pressures, and they begin to experience a myriad of healthy benefits just from the fact of knowing and then in turn believing. The people in the control group did not show any improvements at all. And what was interesting is that expectation is the thing that was there that can have surprising effects on our reality. When we walk into something expecting something, it affects the environment that surrounds us. Is that good? Yes. And what's interesting is that these changes occurred despite the fact that the hotel room attendants' amount of work did not change, their exercise out of work did not change, and their diets did not change. It was all a matter of the mind. So what can we take away from this? The only thing that we can take away from this, or one of the things that we can take away from this, is that the only thing that limits the body is the mind. The only thing that limits new hope is the way that we think. Amen. I would propose to some of you that your thoughts can release abilities beyond your norm, or they can limit you, causing you to live beneath your fullest potential. And the choice is yours. Also, what this shows us is just by thinking the thought alone that we are limited is the limit in and of itself. Neil Gaiman said it like this, you have to believe, otherwise it will never happen. 
And so today we're going to talk about breaking through limits, and we're going to talk about hearing God, and we're, gonna, we're really going to go after some things that I believe God has specific for this house. Each time I prepare to speak, I make it a practice of hearing God, and God, what are you saying now? And even as later as I'm sharing, it be, it's easy to share breakthroughs that have happened 20 years ago. It's easy to share things that we believe that would happen through faith years and years ago. But I believe there's a special kind of anointing and a special kind of power when we can get present with God and say, God, what are you saying and doing right now? And then when we can be vulnerable and, say, and share, this is what I'm believing for right now, and I'm going to have you hold me accountable for my faith. Is that good? And so my example is the four-minute mile. Experts said that it could not be done. For years, they claimed that the human body was simply not capable of running a four-minute mile. They said it wasn't just dangerous, but it was impossible. And in 1940, the mile record was pushed down to four minutes and one second. And that's where it remained for nine years, say nine years. And as runners struggled to break through this record, they battled the notion that maybe, just maybe, the human body has reached its limits. But on May 6, 1954, at age 25, Roger Bannister made headlines around the world as the first person to run a mile in under four minutes. What was previously thought to be impossible now became possible because he thought and he believed that it was possible. As part of his training, he relentlessly visualized the achievement. He saw himself at the finish line. He saw himself in the stance. He saw the takeoff. He saw what's going to happen when I get to the bend. He saw what's going to happen. I'm not going to worry about those people running on the side of me and running behind me. I just see me beating this record and going through the finish line. And that was able to create a sense of certainty in his mind and in his body. What's interesting is that Bannister's three-minute, 59-second, and four-millisecond mile was only the starting point to the breakthroughs. Amen. Just 46 days later, another gentleman broke Bannister's record that stood for nine years. Will you look at that? A record that was unbreakable, a record that was unattainable, and then getting near it, one, one second near it, it stayed there for nine years. It was broken through. And then in 46 days after that, more people begin to start the, the process of breaking through. And what is God saying? He's saying that you are the breakthrough that's connected to the rest of the breakthroughs in this house. And that when you, when you experience a breakthrough, the whole house experiences a breakthrough. When you raise the bar, when you go after the things that God is saying go after, you open up the floodgates of heaven to allow more and more breakthroughs, more and more things to be built up, more and more things for God's glory to infuse itself into because we have a mindset to believe. In Joshua, we have our own record breaker. He was found in Joshua chapter 1. That's where my text is from today. We find Joshua in a tough place. Joshua has been with his people in the wilderness for 40 years, walking around the same place. Joshua is the one that him and Caleb and some 10 other spies went into the land two years into their journey, 
and said, that land looks great. We are well able to possess it. We are well able to overcome those giants that are there. We got this. Come on, everybody, are y'all with me? And the other 10 said, no, I don't think so. I think they're bigger than we are. I think we look like grasshoppers. And because of their doubt, because of their unbelief, they were caused to stay in the same place for 38 more years. Does that resonate with anybody? Have God given you vision and dreams, prophetic words, things that are supposed to be in motion, and we just don't have the Joshua and Caleb anointing, we got the anointing of the other ten. We're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea, God, but you must have the wrong person. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because, because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all that my law, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. I'm going to read verse number nine again. Have I not commanded you new hope? I thought I was going to get some sort of agreement there. I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try it again. Y'all ready? <laughs> Y'all ready? Verse number nine. Have I not commanded you new hope? Be strong and courageous. Do, oh my God, I feel them now. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for you to own. New hope. Get your provisions ready. For the Lord is causing us to cross our Jordan and take possession of our land. Is that good? What I find interesting is that sometimes God will shake up the order of operations just to see how we believe. Because if you remember, Joshua was the same Joshua that was there in year two of their wilderness experience. And he said, we're well able to possess the land. We're going in. God is breathing on this. They are not giants. They are small. They are the grasshoppers. We got it because God is on our side. And I, I dare to believe that Joshua thought that they were going to go in the promised land under the leadership of Moses. I dare to believe that when him and Caleb released that thing from their belly, they had the idea, this is just how I'm, I'm interpreting it. I believe he had the idea that 
I've been here with Moses. I'm, I'm, I'm his right-hand guy. We're going to go in. We're going to do this because God is with Moses. And he, his faith, I believe, at that point was in Moses. And I believe that he thought that they were going to touch the promised land under the guise of Moses. But isn't it amazing how God just begins to change the order of operations? And God gave Joshua the faith before he revealed to him that, brother, you're going to go to the promised land, but it's not going to be how you think. Some of us are walking through situations right now where God has given us faith, and then it seems like the situation has turned topsy-turvy, it's turned upside down. But God is saying to you today, be strong and very courageous. God tells Joshua this three times. Be strong and courageous. He said, but God, be strong and courageous. But Moses just passed away, and I don't know if I'm capable of, of, of doing this assignment. I don't know if I have the permission to do the ministry that God is telling me to do. Uh-oh. I don't. Be strong and very courageous. Why would God have to tell Joshua the same thing three different times? The same thing we have to tell our children. The same reason we have to tell our children the same thing three different times. It, <laughs> Thank you. I got my help all the way in the back of the church because they don't listen. And attached to our not listening is because we don't listen because change is hard. We get comfortable and we say, God, you're going to be here forever. And I'm just going to do the same. ABC is going to always equal the next letter. And one, two, three is always going to equal the next formula. And everything is going to be the same. And if it's not the same, I can't trust you. But God is saying to us today, just like I asked Desiree, do you trust me? Now, the reality is, if I was Desiree, and I was asked to, to volunteer, and I stood there, and then I heard the person who asked me <laughs> to volunteer come stand over here and say, all right, you ready? <laughs> I promise you, I wouldn't have fallen. But how many know that's, that's how some of us are doing, treating God right now? Because God is saying, I just need you here right now for this specific moment, for this specific ministry, for this specific thing, for this specific thing that I've put in you. Your giftings are needed here. Your, your, your promptings, everything that I've put in you, I need you here. And we say, okay. And we go there. And he says, now fall. And we say, wait a minute, you sound far away. And then we stand. And we don't fall. Or we stutter step or we try to support ourselves. Am I talking to anybody? But the reality is, faith is a journey that is not easy. It's often full of challenges and things that are contrary to how we expected them to happen. We find Joshua now with the charge to lead over two million people into a land that has giants in it. That's huge. Two million people into a place they've not been able to inhabit this. This now, if God told me go go take over this abandoned building, <laughs> like you know, that's one thing. But God is saying, no, go to this thriving, booming place right here and just totally overtake it. That's huge. But how many know that God doesn't commission us without equipping us? Amen. And just in the verses that we read, we see that God promises Joshua a sure victory and a safe guide, which is His presence. 
How many know that no matter what test, what trial, what situation, what, what ministry, what unction you feel from God, he is giving you the same instruction to be strong and be courageous and that I'm going to give you a sure victory and I'm going to give you a safe guide and that is me, my presence. What I find for myself is that the real battle usually isn't on a battlefield of sorts, right? Joyce Meyer talks about the battlefield of the mind. And how many know that it's not what we are, but it's what he is? And it's not what we feel, but it's leveraging God facts. Anybody know what God facts are? They're the things that are absolute, that are not situational, that are not determined by man. Right now, Brittany and I are in the middle of believing God, God's facts. We are believing God for a child. And the world's information and the world said, you have this in your body, you have this, and you will never, and you will never, and you will never. But in this, in our personal life, God is telling us, be strong and courageous. That's what we are standing and believing God for. That his God fact says, I created this body to, to do a little swip, flip, flip, flop, and do... <laughs> Heaven doesn't speak English. <laughs> but in that, God's promise never changed. And that's what we're standing and believing for. And so as I stand up here and prompt you to believe God for the next season of your life, the next season of this church, the next season of your family, the next season of your marriage, the next season of your job, the next season of whatever is next in your life, you have the option to choose to believe God facts and to move different than the rudiment of this world. Just like the second record breaker, John Landy, he was the one that came 46 days after and broke the record. Joshua was able to break through the limits of the wilderness. For 38 years, his family and friends were unable to move beyond that stale and barren place. They were comfortable. Anybody ever understand that sometimes in seasons we get comfortable in the dysfunction and we just learn how to live there? But God didn't design us to be there. We get comfortable in the desert, longing for water, but just training our bodies how to require less of it versus going to the place that God told us, which is the land of promise that is flowing with milk and honey. Y'all gonna make me preach after a while. <laughs> Jesus. An entire generation had to die before they were able to turn over and actually have a mindset to believe that God was capable of bringing them into the promised land. And as I was pondering this, I said, well, God, what do you mean they had to die? He's like, they had to die. I'm like, okay, well, what's, what's next? What do you really say? <laughs> he said, they didn't, have my, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, but we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we don't have to die and be done. We can die and be rebirthed. And God is saying, what are you willing to die to today? 
to enter into your land of promise. Some of us, and I'm, you know, I'm just going to say it because I just have to say it. I'm here now. (laughs) Some of us have put our stakes in the ground so far, and we said, I'm not moving for nothing. I believe God is after those stakes today. That said, will you, are you willing to lift those stakes for me and follow me? Or are you just going to stay in this dried up and, and barren place? God is prompting us to trust in the cloud. Not this cloud. See, we trust in this cloud. We upload it. We upload, we download, we byload. I don't think byload is a real word, but you understand. (laughs) And we put things in the cloud so that they can be safe. We put things in the cloud so that we can access them anywhere. But God says before there was an Apple cloud, before there was a Google accounts cloud, I was the cloud. I was the cloud that you had to follow if you want to stay current. I was the cloud that provided day and night safety and light and block. I'm the cloud. Upload into me, and then you will see the downloads. So, I have to calm down. <laughs> God is commissioning new hope to keep going. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep going. I borrowed this from Chris uh, Valentin. He's one of my favorite speakers. And he says this phrase, and I love it. He says, we are to honor the past, live in the present, and look toward the future. And I believe that that's the word for new hope where we are right now. I believe God has us in the place of honoring the past. All 40 plus years is to be honored. And then we are supposed to live in the here and now even though it's uncomfortable, even though there's things happening and things are sliding and moving and being chopped. And then God says, and then look to the future. Trust me to take care of the future. Our job is to live in the present and to trust God to take care of the future and the past. Amen? And some of us are like Joshua in the beginning chapter. I know I was. I'm going to share an experience with you. Um, Brittany and I, we got married in 2016. We moved to Pennsylvania. And when we got to Pennsylvania, I wanted to go to this other church that was kind of younger and popping, if I could say that word in the pulpit. And then we visited another church, and there was a pull <laughs> to, to join this church. And by there was a pull, I mean, my wife told me, we need, this is where we need to, <laughs> this is the one, baby. And I said, okay, all right, you feel that pull there? We're going to go. And so we did. And I, I, I joined this church. And when we got there, we told the pastor, like, hey, we come from a whole long line history of churches. We don't want to serve here. We just want to ease in. We didn't want to be like any to- kind of token members or nothing. Just let us come in, get our lay of the land, and then we'll reassess it. And so we went in, but how many know when you're chock full of gifts, you can't really sit still for too long? You, just, you get there, you just start itching, you're like, I gotta, I just feel it. I just, almost like Jeremiah, you're just like, whew, I just I gotta do something. And so after that season passed, we went back to the pastor and we said, hey, we are ready to launch in full force. And for me, one of the biggest things was that I had been serving in ministry at this point for about six, six and a half years, and I had never been ordained. 
And that was a big thing for me. I'm like, I'm not licensed. I'm not ordained. I'm out here ministering. I felt like I was ministering without a license. And I felt uh, incapable. And I I was, um, what is the word? Uh, I was insecure about my ministry because it hadn't been backed by an official seal. And so when we get to this church, I say, hey, man, I want to be ordained. He says, okay, we can ordain you this in the, in the year. So this following spring, we'll ordain you. Great. So I joined the ministry team. I preached there a few times. Brittany sings there. She joins their um, children's ministry. We're working, we're working, we're working. A few months go by, and he comes back, and he's like, well, actually, I won't be able to ordain you until the following year. And that following year, we weren't going to be in the area. We were, we, we were only there for Brittany's school, and at that point, she would have been ending school, and I was like, it's not going to work to get ordained just to be leaving, and it's not going to work. And, but it really undid me. I had thrown all of my eggs into this basket, and I thought, finally, after serving and serving and serving, finally, I'm going to get my little piece of paper I can stick on the wall, and I'm going to be official, and I'm just going to be the minister of ministers, and I'm going to be great. And when he recanted on what he originally told me, I felt like the carpet had been pulled from underneath me, and I started spiraling out of control. And needless to say, we quickly left that ministry. And so not long after, I called him. I said, thank you for everything that you've done. We're moving on to the ministry. And what was sad about the experience is that my focus was so much on me and what I could glean from the ministry, and my identity that I was trying to glean from this piece of paper and from this ordination and from this thing, that I didn't even value the relationships of the people there. Even to this day, we just ran into somebody uh, probably a month or two ago, and they said, what happened to you guys? And it was, it was not one of my shiniest, moment, shiniest moments. But what I learned from that experience was that God is still good. And so after that, after I left that meeting, I was hot. I was fuming. I actually called Steve and we were living in Pennsylvania. I called Steve and he didn't answer. And in that time of him not answering, the Lord began to speak to me. He said, what are you really after? And he just began to barrel down my alley. He said, are you going to trust in man and a piece of paper? Or are you going to trust in what I told you to do from six years ago? And he began to introduce me to me. Would you gather that? He began to, I mean, it it took the trauma of feeling like I was going to get something and then the shock of it and it all falling down to the ground and me being devastated for God to say, thank you. Now that all that junk is gone, now here, this is the beauty. This is who I've created you to be. This This is who you are. And he introduced me into a healthy, healed version of myself. How many know in that season I was what you call butthurt? (laughs) And it was in my anger and in my rage and in my insecurities and in everything else that gets into that ugly baggage that we carry a lot of places was that I was butthurt. I felt like I was wronged in my first ministry and I should have already been here and I'm still trying to pick up the pieces. But how many know it wasn't my pieces to pick up? My job was to trust God. And anytime, as long as we're butthurt, that's where we have the highest capacity to get derailed. I'm going to say it again so I can get at least one amen. (laughs) When we are butthurt, this is where we have the highest capacity to get derailed. Because we stop following the leading and the unction of God and his spirit, and we start following our feelings. 
How many know that we are not our feelings? We are not how we feel. Amen, somebody. And so we ended up leaving this thing, and God began to show me who I was. And like Joshua, he allowed me time to mourn. He allowed me time to heal. And then he re-released me as a healthy whole person. And, and one of Brittany's points is that purpose outlasts feelings. Because feelings change. Relationships change. Leadership changes. So many things in life change, but our purpose remains the same. And what he allowed me to see was that for a long time I was looking for this external validation. But God was showing me that I was in it for the wrong reasons. Anytime our butthurtness can derail us, that shows us that maybe you were in it for the wrong reasons. Maybe you were getting something out of this that was more than what's normal. Am I talking to somebody? And I feel that God wants to speak to those who may be like I was. And he wants to tell you that in this reorg of, of New Hope Community Church, you are not lost. He wants to release to this body that you are valued. He wants to remind you that you are loved, that you belong, that you have a place here, and that there's still work to be done. I felt very strongly as I was preparing this message. I was like, Joshua, they went in to possess the land. And of course, the one-to-one -one brain of mine says, we got to get into that new building. And I believe that God is leaving it up to us to determine what happens out there. The other day, we were in a meeting, and I, I began to pray for new hope that God would rip off the Band-Aid that is that extension and that he would stop us from hemorrhaging and seizing and allow faith to replace fear and allow us to walk in a new identity as a body, as a church, that will believe God to walk us into the land of promise. Because how many know it's not about the building? It's not about the roof and the shingles. And the, it's about the people that God is going to put in the building. It's the people that that building is going to draw in that the kingdom can be expanded. But it starts with us. Amen. It starts with us. In, in, in the verses that I read, Joshua tells the people to get your provisions ready. In modern armies, there's, I believe it's called a quartermaster that is in charge of getting the food and everything, all the necessities for people. Dick is saying yes, so I'm right, I'm right on. <laughs> they are in charge of getting the food and the provisions ready for everybody. But in the time of Joshua, they didn't have a quartermaster. And so Joshua told the people, get your provisions ready. And I think that that's a prophetic declaration to this church. Cheryl, get your provisions ready. Carol, get your, Brittany, get your, Mark, get your provisions ready. What God is saying is that I can't do it without you. Good word, Mark. <laughs> I brought that from Chris Valentin too. He's my favorite. Um, God is telling us that we have to get our provisions ready. 
And in the scripture, it was talking about food. It was talking about you. See, at this point, manna was still falling from heaven. But they had to take the practical steps necessary to do what wasn't done by the manna in the morning. And they had to get their provisions ready. But I don't believe God is telling us today that our provisions is food. I believe God is saying, get your mind in a state that I can renew it, that I can do a new thing in you and in this church, and we don't have to look and be afraid at what it looks like because it's unsettled and because it looks a little different than how it was. How many know it can never be how it will be if we're always fixed on how it was? But God is saying, are you willing to let go of what was and trust me to bring to completion the good work that I have begun in this place? I got one amen. I believe that God is about to rebirth some ministries in this place. Because now that we've gone through the seasons, and he's shocked our systems a little bit, and he's broken loose that that piece of our identity that was linked to what we did when we walked in the building, I know I'm not the only one. I believe once he shocks our system and gets us free of that, then he releases us to, to thrive at a whole new level. And I believe that rebirthing process is God saying, now that you've gone through a little bit of something, now that I've been able to sloth off a little bit of something, now is the season where I can release you again, where you can be birthed again, where that ministry that you thought was dead, I'm going to call those dry bones to life again. Come on, somebody. I'm going to call it to life again. Because how many know life doesn't end? Everything is just about a cycle. Everything is about a cycle. And the, be- the end of one thing is the beginning of another. And as long as we look at the end of a thing and we are stuck in funeral mode, God can never take us to the birthing room to say, congratulations, it's a boy. Congratulations, it's a girl. God is saying, I've given you your time. Lord Jesus. <laughs> I've given you your time to mourn. I've given you your time to, 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 to be here. and to. I created the mourning process. I know what it's like. I gave it to you. And God is saying, but now is the time where we take a transition from the grave site to the birthing room. I wish I had some help in here. <laughs> God is trying to re-deliver some gifts to us that we thought were broken, that we thought were incomplete, that, oh my God, that we thought I would never function in this way again. I believe that there's a rebirthing that's going to hit this house, and we are not going to know what hit us. All right. God is commissioning us to launch out in faith, to do what he told Joshua, to claim the promise and to fight the good fight. Now, what's interesting is after this message is done and we get up and we walk out and we go our separate ways, there's still going to be work to be done. What I thought was interesting is that Even after Joshua and the children of Israel entered the promised land, they still had the duty and the responsibility of fighting the the remnant of folks that were still there. And what was God saying in it? He was saying, even though I blessed you and I've given you this thing, you still have a responsibility to to keep it going forward, even in the midst of adversity. 
See, I've read this story. I've heard it read. I've heard it preached. I heard, and the way that I received was they got into the promised land and it was just flowing with milk and honey and everything was gravy. But that wasn't the case. They still had adversity. They still had battles. They still had things that were coming up against them. Today, I challenge you to reclaim the thing that God has given you. Don't let a no stop you. Don't let insecurities stop you. Don't let what seems like a lack of support stop you. Because as long as you feel the call of God to do it, he will bless it. As long as you feel the call of God to do it, he will bless it. As long as we are willing to stand still, that is making a choice to die. Life is either growing or dying. It doesn't stand still. As long as we stand still, we, we are dying. And when we make a commitment to grow and to move forward, that's where God is glorified. That's where God begins to smile and say, keep going, even though the sun came out and scorched your, your leaves a little bit. That's all right. Anybody planters here, when the leaves get scorched, what do you do? You rip off the scorched part and you water it and you keep, let it keep on growing. Whew. I believe God showed up. The S-O-N showed up and said, there may have been some scorched spots on your leaves, but my love is going to rip them off and then I'm going to water you so that you can continue to grow. In my clothes, God is asking us, do you know that I'm with you and for you? Do you know that I am with you and for you? For those of us who can honestly answer with a no, y'all thought I was going a different direction, huh? (laughs) He's asking, how can I lead you if you don't believe me? Amen. How can I lead you if you don't trust my process? God is limitless. And so when we believe in him, our faith becomes limitless. And he just wants us to know as a body <clears throat> that we are safe in his care. We are safe in his care. Just like he walked with Joshua, he said, I will be with you, Joshua, just like I was with Moses. He's saying, new hope, I will be with you in this new change, just like I was in the old change, because I'm the God that was in the old change. And he's walking with us to our place of purpose 
and destiny. He's walking us to a place where we can bloom and where we can thrive, not where we can just survive, not where we can just get by, not where we have to double dip to try to get our buckets filled because we're not being full. We're not living the full. God came that we would be life, that we would have life and life to the full. It begins to overflow. That is our portion. And I believe that God is bringing us to a season of living in the overflow. And there's one caveat to it that we have to expect and we have to believe. Amen? Thanks so much for joining us for this week's message. We pray that you experience God's presence and encouragement, grow in a healthy community and influence your world. For more information, contact newhopecom.org.